Thanks, Paul. Morning, everybody. Great to see you. How are you doing? Turn to the person next to you and tell them, if you can, if you have one, what your favourite Bible verse is. And just briefly, don't, don't spend ages chatting about it, but just turn to the person and say, my favourite Bible, if one comes to you straight away, it's this, and just tell them briefly why. Okay, just have a little chat to the person next to you. If you don't know any Bible verses, just tell them your favourite bit of wisdom or your favourite proverb or something like that. But just turn to the person next to you and say, this is my favourite Bible verse and this is why. Why is it your favourite Bible verse? Is there anybody who can't think of their favourite Bible verse? Okay. And if you have a Bible, uh, you might also want to open it to uh, the book of uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, We are going to read just a couple of verses from there in a moment from 2 Timothy chapter 3 as it happens. Um, As a church family, as Paul's already mentioned, we're embarking on a very uh, interesting and special and quite epic uh, project called the Year of Biblical Literacy. And the basic goal of uh, spending a whole year getting more literate, more biblically literate, I wonder what that goal is. The, The basic goal is to get to know God better. Okay, here's how it works. I was thinking about this. Um, Basically, it works like this. Um, As a people, we want to know God much better than we do, right? I mean, I'm assuming that that's the case. If we want to know God better, then one of the ways that we can do that is to know his word better. So we want to learn, know the Bible better. And a really good way to know the Bible better is to read the Bible better. So people are saying, why are we reading the Bible? Why are we spending a whole year reading the Bible? The answer is we can go this way. We're reading the Bible because we want to, better because we want to know the Bible better because we want to know God better. We're not doing this just to get some more knowledge, just to become Bible bashers, just to become professors or gurus on the Bible. We're actually doing this for a purpose because we actually want to know the author better. Some people say in our country, in our world, that there is a battle going on over the Bible. That may or may not be true. At an academic level, I think it's certainly true, so I understand. I think at a political level, it's probably true to a certain extent that biblical values, there's a battle going on over biblical values, but actually that's not the thing that troubles me most. That's not the battle over the Bible that bothers me most. The battle over the Bible is the one around apathy. The one around apathy of God's people who... who profess to be Christians who profess to want to know God better but actually find it really difficult to actually read this thing properly and to understand it properly and get to know him. And so what do I mean by read the Bible better? Well, if you've been a believer for a long time, you actually probably have some pretty good habits around reading the Bible consistently. If you started this journey, this Bible journey many years ago, before the digital world really kicked in, you probably have a book and it's probably got like loads of highlights in it and loads of notes in the modern. Just, just wave your hand if you've got something like that. Okay, bless you. That's many of you. Fantastic. Um, if You've had a real head start, by the way, you guys, in getting a culture of really reading and knowing the Bible. Because many of us, and I go so far as to say in my generation, certainly people under 30, I, th- I think we'll probably find that that's not how we approach the Bible at all that many of us, there may be a few exceptions, but many of us don't have that. We don't really look at it that way. And depending on our background, well, we might know a bit about what's in the Bible. We might know a few favorite verses. We might be able to Google something or look them up on an app. Oh, I know that there's a bit in the Bible. I keep telling people for a joke, there's a really good Bible for a slowly, slowly catchy monkey. It's one of those phrases that I, you know, I say all the time. Slowly, slowly, take it slow, we'll get there. It's in the Bible, right? 
It's not in the Bible, no. Just teasing. But, but you know, how do, we, how do we know? I mean, it's a good bit of wisdom. Um, and so maybe you know some stuff that's in there. Maybe you know some stories. Maybe you turn to the Bible uh, for a bit of encouragement when you're feeling down. But truthfully, some of us are really going to struggle to really know and understand the God of the Bible because, or to really grasp the whole an overview of it. I just had a chat with somebody this morning and, uh, and they, they said to me, um, I just don't understand the Old Testament. <laughs> then I had to read it. And that's a, really, that's, a, that's a really valid question. It's hard. And if we're not in the habit of reading it consistently, then we're not really going to we're not gonna know how to read it. We're not going to ha- know how to interpret it and apply it to our lives. And the Bible may well be for you a book where we dip into it for nuggets of wisdom and bits of truth that are going to inspiring passages of encouragement. And that's not a bad thing at all, but it really falls short of what the Bible actually is and what it's for. And so this morning's talk, the main thrust of this morning's talk is what is the purpose of the Bible. What is the purpose of this book? And just knowing a few stories or a few verses from the Bible isn't quite the same as knowing the whole Bible. Consequently, or consequently really knowing the God behind it. It's like saying that I can look at someone's social media page and I can really know them from it. It's like looking at someone's Facebook or their Instagram and saying, oh, well, because I've got a few snapshots, because I've got a few snippets of their life and what they're doing here and what they're doing there and what they're feeling, because I've got that, I actually know this person really well. Well, that's not true. You can't fully grasp the depth of a person until you really hear their story, until you figure out where they've come from, where they were born, what kind of an upbringing they had, what kind of life they've led, where they've lived, what are the key high points and low points in their story, what shaped them, what are the ups and downs of their journey. And that takes time. And the Bible is God's story, and so we can't get ideas about it from just dipping in here and there and there. We're missing out on so much if all we ever do is go there with our questions or look for the accessible parts and listen to, or just listen to other people's views or opinions about it. You know, we will never fully, des- fully grasp the depths of God's character, the full extent of who he is, the full picture of what he's done and what his vision for the world is until we really know the story and that takes time. And just taking time to read any extended narrative, any big book is becoming harder and harder in our culture, isn't it? In our culture, information is packaged up in bite-sized chunks and chucked out all over the internet mostly and all, all over the media. You know, it's, it's no surprise actually to find that we might struggle to get to grips with reading, but I mean, look, look, look. It's small text. It's hard to read. I was blown away by Joe's stat last week that there are more words in the Harry Potter series than there are in the Bible. By a, I think it's, there's, there's over a million words, she said, in the Harry Potter series, the whole, all of the books put together, and there's just about somewhere around 750,000 words in the Bible. So it is possible to read extended narratives. It's just not necessarily very easy. And our culture is full of really smart people. Oh boy, have we got some smart people in our culture. The technology, the way we're we're forging ahead. But many of us are so biblically illiterate. We don't know the story of God and we don't know him very well and we're missing out on a vital dimension of life. In fact, I'd go so far as to say we're missing out on grasping the whole reason for life itself. For me, I've been a Christian all my life. I grew up in church, so I was taught the Bible at an early age. I've mentioned this before. We used to do a thing in my Sunday school called a sword drill where you took your Bible out and you had a race to find the verse and all of that. And I even went through something called a scripture exam when I was a child. Um, But it wasn't until I really started studying the Bible for myself that I, I would say that I really got to started to get to grow in 
my understanding and knowledge of really who God is. When I first started to realize, and I can, I'm not an academic, far from it, I'm really not, but I will never forget my very good friend and mentor, Simon, who sat me down and said, right, this is a book that I want you to read, and he gave me a big, thick book called A Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. Now, Wayne Grudem's a really good teacher. He's not very good on women, don't go there, but he's pretty good on most other things, okay? And, uh, and I went through one chapter of this book, and I've even got the notebook, I haven't got the Gruden book, but I've got the notebook, I found it the other day. In fact, I reproduced a page for you just here, so I could show, show you what I did. All I literally did was read this thing, check out the Bible verses, and then uh, write my own notes on what I'd heard. Okay, and this is the first chapter I did in the, on the, look at that, 5th of February, 2003, The Existence of God. Okay, and I went through some stuff on the existence of God, and I went through some stuff on the attributes of God, and I just started to read about the fact that God, the characteristics of God, the fact that he's so holy, the fact that he's omnipresent, meaning everywhere, every time, the fact that he's immutable, that's a big word, it means, what does it mean? Oh yeah, it means he doesn't change. It means he stays the same. God never changes. If you start to really sit in that place and read through the verses, and you're, like, it was, uh, my friend Simon said it was like taking a kid to a candy store, getting me to read this stuff. And then when I did get to really study the Bible in more depth, I just began to grasp the overall picture of how it's put together. I thought, gosh, I've been dipping into this thing all my life, but I've never really understood what it's really trying to do and what it's about. And I firmly, for me, believe over the past... 15 years or so that my own spiritual growth has shot up, not just because of the Bible, but in a large part because of digging into the Bible. And so this year of biblical literacy we're doing, it has layers. You've heard us talk about this already, so I'm not going to go in depth in that. You can find all this information on our website. But this first series, this first Sunday series, which we're running for four weeks in January, is called The Good Book. And uh, it's an introduction to the Bible and the authority of the Bible. This is really just by way of introduction. What is the Bible? How was it put together? What's its purpose? What authority does it have and why? So I'm talking about the purpose. Paul next week is talking about the reason for the Bible. The week after that, I'm going to talk about how the Bible was put together and what it says its purpose is. But this morning, I want to look on what the Bible's purpose is. You see, if we try and answer that question, what is the Bible for, based on how people choose to read it, we might say, well, this is a book, as I already said, of timeless truth. We might say there are nuggets of wisdom for life. There are motivational quotes in here. There are some really good sayings. There are things that we can stick on a paint on a um, we can we can stick on a notice board. There are things we can stick on Instagram. Uh, I you know there are quotes we can grab. If you go to for example a um, a hotel and you pick up a Gideon's Bible and you open up the Gideon's Bible, there's a page which says basically, if things aren't working for you, here's a good place to go in the Bible, help in times of need. Maybe the Bible is a really good place to get those lovely little quotes with cheesy pictures in the background and cheesy writing. Occasionally you find some with cool pictures in the background. Um, I was really, I read about, um, you, know, you know who that is, that's Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, a famous uh, American TV um, host. And she was on TV being interviewed on another chat show and, uh, and they got talking about their favorite Bible verses. And Oprah said, this is my favorite Bible verse. It's Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then she said this, and I'm quoting directly from what Oprah said. You can find this on YouTube. She said, this is what I take that verse to mean. The Lord has a wide range of meaning. It means compassion and love and kindness and forgiveness. So if you delight yourself in those virtues where the character of the Lord is revealed, 
That's what the Bible's telling you to do. So delight yourself in love and forgiveness and kindness, and then you will receive the desires of your heart. I'm quoting directly, that's what Oprah said. That's why I love that Bible verse, and everyone, that's why I love it, and everyone claps. And my question is, I'm not sure that is what that means. Is it okay just to grab a verse and say, oh, this is what that means, and then announce it to the world? And I'm not criticizing Oprah, but I just think it begs the question, what is the Bible really for? Is it a book of timeless truth? Is it a book to answer all our questions? Or is it doing something else? And my contention is that it's actually doing something else, something much deeper, something much more important, something that goes much further. Because although there are, yes, incredible timeless truths in the Bible, and yes, it does answer our questions, None of those are its main objective or purpose. You will find when you get to some bits of the Bible, particularly the Hebrew poetry, that there are probably more questions that it asks than answers. Jesus says in John chapter 5, he's talking to the Pharisees, he's talking to the religious leaders. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they, Jesus says, that bear witness about me, and yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. You're looking in the Bible for answers, he says. The Bible's pointing to me, but you don't want to come to me. And he's criticizing them for that. You see, before Christmas, I spoke about metaphors. I spoke about the Bible and the different metaphors that it claims to have. I said that the Bible is like a sword, you know, cutting, it's word cutting. It's like a mirror reflecting back. It's like a seed growing in us. It's like milk for a newborn baby for nourishment. And it's like a lamp to our feet. And these are all images that the Bible itself uses about itself. They're helpful ways to think about the Bible. But today I want to dig into what the actual purpose is. And so if you've got um, 2 Timothy and chapter 3, uh, I'd love you just to look that up now. I, I'm in two minds about whether to put Bible verses up on here. I really want people to look it up for themselves. But sometimes it's really helpful to refer to this, so um, I've put this up here as well as it's quite a short passage. But do, by the way, if, if you've got a Bible, bring it to church. If you've got it on your phone, fantastic. If you've got a real one that you prefer to read, as it Joe said last week, it goes in better if you read it on paper, so the psychologists say. I don't know if that's true or not, but anyway, bring it to church. Here's 2 Timothy, and this is chapter 3, verses 14 to 17. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is writing to Timothy, who's a young church leader. He says, as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from what you have learned. Sorry, let me start that again. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I've got three key points about the purpose of the Bible. What is the Bible actually for? And we'll come back to that verse, that, that passage in a minute. The first thing is simply this, that the Bible is to help us know who God is. You see, right from the start, the Bible is basically a book about God. You can get a post-it note and you can write it and you can stick a sticker on the top and write, this is a book about God. First and foremost, the Bible is not about us. It's not trying to answer our questions. It's a book about God. You see, even from the very, very first chapter in the Bible, Genesis chapter one, the book is a book, it's a story about God. It's about God's self-revelation. Here is God saying this, and God said, let there be light. And God said, 
let there be this, that, and the other. And God said, and there was. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and there was. The book starts with God. It's not, about, not a book about me. It's not a collection of wise sayings. In this passage, we see God communicating things into being. This is where we realize that God's words literally have the authority to create. And God said, and it was. And God said, and it was. And God called it, and it became. And we learn from this passage that God has the power to give purpose and function and identity to things and people. And so already within the space of literally just a few lines of this book, right from the start, we've begun to understand something about its maker. We've begun to learn and understand something about God. And that's just page one. And that's just in the first 10 lines. So the Bible is a book about God. And it's about how he's telling us about himself. How are we learning about God through the Bible? Are we, collect, are we learning through a collection of facts? Well, maybe, but more, more than that, we're mainly learning about God through stories. This isn't a dry textbook. This isn't one of those kind of things that you've got to go through for your GCSE or your A-level. This is a book of stories. If, my wife Jo, she's not here today. She's away um, with our daughter in Northern Ireland. But if I was to tell you if you didn't know her and I was to tell you about her, how would I tell you about her so that it would be interesting and so that you would remember? Would I tell you a set of facts? Would I say, oh, she's about this high and she has hair like this and she you know, wears shoes like that and eats this for breakfast? I wouldn't tell you that stuff, would I? If I wanted you to get to know Joe, my wife, I would tell you some stories about her and about her life. I'd tell you about her childhood in Kent. I'd tell you about her dancing to ABBA records in her next door neighbor's house after school, about her dad trying to help her and her sister go to sleep and falling asleep himself on the bedroom floor. I'd tell you about how she really wanted to be a doctor or thought she did but didn't quite get the grades, partly because she took a role as a head girl in her school and ended up pastoring most of her friends and consequently didn't do quite as well in her A-levels as she might have done. And I would tell you about the time that I met her um, walking across a field, having been standing in a river, measuring the quality of water in this little river in Birmingham, and how I offered to carry her equipment for her, and uh, we got talking that day, and, well, anyway, the rest is history. I would tell you about what, kind, what makes her laugh. I'd tell you what she loves about her family and the kinds of things that she gets up to, and also how sometimes what doesn't make her laugh, what makes her sad. I'd tell you about the fact that her oldest daughter's just left home, and that's quite a challenge for her. You see, I'd tell you real-life stories about her, and it would help you understand. And if you were wanting to tell me about yourself or your partner or somebody else that you know who you were close to, you'd do the same. You'd tell stories. We are real people. We are story people, and we're shaped by the stories that we tell. And so when I meet someone new, I'm always interested in their story. I'm always wanting to find out more, to draw it out of them. Where have you come from? What did you do this for? When did you do that in your life? You ever listen to this Radio 4 program called Desert Island Discs? It's been on about 150 years, it feels like. It's been on for a very long time. But why do you think it's so popular? It's because you find out about people by them telling their stories, and particularly in this program, by them playing records, pieces of music that are really special to them, and telling the stories around those. And you really get an insight into somebody. And so the Bible is essentially a story, it's a narrative. It's not just systematic doctrine, it's not just timeless truth. That's not what it's doing. It's a book that's trying to tell us the story of God. And like most people's stories, it's not necessarily a straightforward story. It's complex. 
We can get doctrine, we can get timeless truths from the Bible, but the only way to do it is to get inside its story world, to immerse ourselves in the story world of the Bible, the culture of it, and then let it dictate those things to us, and that's what we're trying to do in this series. Let me give you a quote from Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message translation of the Bible. He said this, This is a text that reveals the sovereign God in being and action. It does not flatter us, it does not seek to please us, We enter this text to meet God as he reveals himself, not to look for truth or history or morals that we can use for ourselves. What he insisted upon supremely was that we do not read the Bible in order to find out how to get God into our lives, to get him to participate in our lives. That's getting it backwards. Some of these stories that we read in the Bible are pretty hard to relate to. I mean, some of them are pretty crazy, right? I mean, what about Job? He lost everything he had, his wife, his family, his possessions, his livestock, his household and his health, everything. You know? What about Abraham, this amazing and revered father of a nation who gave his wife away, passed her off as his sister, not once, but twice, just to kind of out of fear, and yet is held up as this amazing guy? I mean, that's a pretty crazy story, and we're going to encounter some pretty crazy stories in the Bible. And if you've started on the reading plan, you'll have read some already. Truth is, this is a narrative about God and how he is trying to redeem his people. God is on a mission to seek and save the world, to rescue and bring healing and transformation. And so the people in God's story are people who are in a mess, like you and me. They're not perfect people. They're not necessarily even people who are held up as examples. They're just people who God is trying to rescue and redeem. And I wonder, well, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I can really relate to that. I can relate to people who mess things up. Can you relate to people who mess things up? So yes, it's big and complex, but the Bible is basically a story about God. The second thing that the Bible is trying to do is not just to tell us who God is, to know who God is. It's trying to tell the human story from God's perspective. And it's doing that through the lens, essentially, of the country, the nation of Israel. And if you've been reading through Genesis, then you'll already have worked out that God has a number of reboots in this. That he starts with Adam and Eve, and that doesn't really work out. And so he moves on to Noah, and that doesn't really work out. And he moves to Babel, and he moves to Abraham. And each time you read a story, you realize that this is happening again, that God is trying again to rescue and redeem the world, that he's rebooting again. And this time he does it through this family and the story of Abraham grows and becomes, and his family becomes a big thing. You realise that God has chosen to reboot his plan for the world through the family of Abraham. Well, that's a great idea, except Abraham's wife is barren and how is she going to have a child? What, how's that going to work? And we'll look at that in more detail next month, but it does. And you'll realise that the reason that we keep needing a reboot Oh, sorry, I've jumped ahead. The reason that we keep needing a reboot is because as human beings, we keep screwing it up. There's one Old Testament scholar who says this. He says, it was God who created humanity and therefore only God can reveal to us our identity and function as humans. And without the biblical revelation of who we are as humans, we're lost in a maze of confusion. Now, I don't know about you, but I think it's fair to say that lost in a maze of confusion pretty much sums up quite a few of the people I know in the world right now. I don't think it's too unrealistic to say that there are many, many people who simply don't know who they are. They're searching for meaning and significance and identity and they're looking for it in all kinds of places. 
in education, in politics, in work, in spirituality, in nature. And of course, God's in all those things, but the place to really find out what our identity and significance and meaning is, is in the Bible. The Bible has stories about all kinds of dysfunctional and messed up people and how God persists again and again in reaching out to them. Unless through this library of books, unless through this book, God reveals to us who we are and what we're made for, then we will never know. And we need to know. We need to know this. This is the story of how God made the world. And as we read the Bible, we won't just find God and know God, we will, but we'll also find the story of ourselves, the true story of ourselves in this story. And the last, the third thing, my third point really, is that the purpose of the Bible, not only is it to help us know God and know who he is, not only is it to help us tell the human story from his perspective, but it's also to shape us as the people of God who can live in the ongoing story of God. You see, we are shaped by our experiences, aren't we? By our failures and by our successes, by our highs and lows and disappointments, by our relationships and by our life experiences. But our life experiences are not the text for directing how we are formed. I mean, experiences are really important and emotions are really important, but they are not the driving text that guides our formation. Otherwise, we'd all be stuffed, wouldn't we? And we covered a lot of this last year in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. You know, some of us grew up in the most dysfunctional homes. Some of us grew up and experienced things that were just really, frankly, wrong and awful. And those things could become the text for our lives. They could become the thing that forms us. And usually when that happens, it's disastrous. You can't say, I'm a Christian and then disregard the Bible as your guiding text for life. Bible and prayer and the disciplines of reading it and the disciplines of practicing it, if you want God to form you in your life, then you'll need to know the Bible. We need to know it more, and to know it more, we need to read it more. And so coming back to that text in 2 Timothy that I had us read earlier, you know, Paul says to Timothy, from childhood, you have known the scriptures. For Timothy, he means the Old Testament. Okay, Timothy would have grown up knowing, reading, knowing, and studying. It was part of their culture, the Old Testament. Paul says to Timothy, as you've immersed yourself in the story world of the scriptures, as you've immersed yourself in your scriptures, your Bible, as you've been living in that story and you've been allowing it to shape you through your life, as you've done that, Timothy, it has made you wise. It has made you understand now what it is to know and follow Jesus. And Timothy, you've become a leader in the church, but your guiding text, the thing that's formed you, has been the scriptures. Paul says, from childhood, you've learned this. From childhood, you've known it and you've believed it. And he goes on to say, it's made you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. As we immerse ourselves in the text... As we immerse ourselves in the Bible, it forms us into the people that are aware of the salvation, of the grace, of all that Jesus has done for us. 
that are aware of Jesus, that see Jesus and are formed in the way of Jesus. This is a book for people who want to become apprentices of Jesus. We talked about that just before Christmas. But that's what the Bible does. It works on us. All scripture, I love this verse, it's really well known. All scripture is breathed out by God. It's God breathed. And it's profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training that the man of God or the woman of God, that's all of us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you want to be equipped for good works of God? I do. And therefore, that's what the scripture does. The Bible, according to the, this is the great phrase that we nicked from the Bible project people, the Bible tells one unified story that leads us to Jesus. The whole point of this thing, as Paul's saying, is as you're wise, as you know the scriptures, and as you're immersed in this story, and you, it makes you wise for salvation through faith, and therefore, you start seeing Jesus in it. Because the scriptures are God-breathed, the scriptures are good for us. They're God-breathed. That literally word, that word means in-breathed by God, meaning this book has God's living breath in it. He breathed through the text. He breathed through the scriptures. He breathed through his Holy Spirit and causes it. He spoke to the different writers in many ways. We'll come to that, how it was made up, how it's put together. It's powerful. It's as powerful today as ever. And with God's power it can transform our lives. I remember sitting and reading the Bible and I read this section from Ephesians chapter 4 29. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. And at that point I was, I was I, my language wasn't great. Okay? My, my language wasn't great. And I was like, oh yeah, whatever, it's not really important. God loves me anyway. Well that's true. And I probably read that 20 times, but I remember this one day I read it and it's like the Holy Spirit just went dong. And I went, okay. I need to do something about that. I had an encounter with God by his spirit, breathing on the, word, the, the verses of the Bible. A different experience I had was reading Psalm 2. Now, I don't remember exactly when this happened on my timeline. Um, my father died about 11 years ago, but for some years before that, I had spent some time coming to terms with the fact that my dad probably just wasn't, he was an amazing man, but in some ways, he wasn't all that he could have been for me. And it took me a long time to realize that I needed to deal with that and to to work through those issues. Anyway, at some point, while I was working through those issues, I remember reading Psalm 2. I mean, it's Psalm 2, right? It's the second Psalm. I must have read it before. But somehow I read these words, and they absolutely leapt off the page to me. And it says in Psalm 2, I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. And again, in that moment, the Spirit breathed life on the text, and God spoke to me. Am I perfect and sorted out now? No. Did it resolve all my issues in an instant? No. Did I have an encounter with God? Yes. Did I gain an understanding about who my father is? Yes. And should I stop asking questions of myself? Probably. I've never forgotten that verse, and I tell it to loads of people. It's kind of one of my key verses now. Today, you are my son, and today I have become your father. Tom Wright says this, somehow the authority which God has invested in this book is an authority that's wielded and exercised through the people of God, telling and retelling their story as the story of the world, telling the covenant story as the true story of creation, and in particular through God's telling of the story of Jesus. And so as we read the Bible, as we dive into the scriptures, as we tell and retell this story of God, that God is the creator of the world, that he is is after redeeming what went bad, that he calls us, that he gets angry, that he gets sad, that he gets disappointed when something he made goes wrong, that he has wrath, 
Like when we tell him, when, when we tell him, we tell his story, his true story, when we live in this story, it becomes authoritative. Imagine it as this, we are actors and the Bible is the first four acts of a five act play. And now it's our job to do act five. And we've got to basically take all of acts one to four into account and then we've got to improvise. We've got to live it out now. We've got to live this story out. How can we do that if we don't know it? So what, calls, what God calls good in the Bible, we call good. What he calls bad, we call bad. What he goes after in the world, we go after. What he's revealed in Jesus, what he's made known, we pursue. And that's how the story is authoritative for us. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Um, Matt, can you go to that video, please? That's what we're going to do next. Um, we just asked a couple of people in our church just before Christmas, so when is it that you find time for reading this book for yourself? And we just put a little video together of uh, a few responses to that. The best time for me is first thing in the morning when I wake up, um, because then I know that I, I'm not going to get distracted. If I get any other time, it's a bonus, but the morning's the time for me that I'm fresh. Uh, just before the kids are going to bed, whilst they're brushing their teeth and getting their pyjamas on, that gives me about 10 minutes. Yeah, I always make some time just before bed. It's not necessarily the best time if I want a long time to read, but I always make sure every day I have the time at the end of the day. I usually read it in the evening. Um, I do take it to work sometimes, at lunchtime when I'm free, I do read it. I like to have, um, have my coffee and go to a quiet place and I read it on um, Bible in one year, which is uh, an app actually. Varies for me. It depends on my children. So, depending on what they're doing, is when I can get a free little snippet of time during my day. And if not, it'll be in the evening. Yeah, I'd always read the Bible in the morning. I find that if I have, I feel uh, like I've had something to eat, like breakfast, and uh, yeah, feel good. Thank you to those people who uh, took part in that. We've got some more. I'll play you them next time. Interestingly, nobody said, "Oh, I don't do that." Maybe we just didn't film those people. I don't know. Um, anyway, so my last question really is, can you put the slide up with the app on, please, um, uh, Matt? Uh, my next question is, uh, just go back one. Um, we're 13 days in. How are you getting on? How are you getting on with the Bible? Um, you know, we said that we're doing this in layers. Obviously, the Sunday layer takes care of itself, and the life groups layer will kick in, um, in shortly. Um, but how are you doing with the personal layer? Um, Joe and I have actually heard from quite a few of you already. And as you could have probably predicted, there's been a range of responses. I've talked to loads of people, actually. Many of you are very positive. Some of you have just jumped in with both feet. Even some of you, as soon as I talked about this in December, you were in there, and you were starting to read and download videos, and you were loving it, and you were finding resources from the Bible Project, and having a look at this app, and watching videos, and uh, you were loving it. There are others of you, I think, who have started to read, but I do sense just a little bit of nervousness around this. Is this really going to work? I've started a project like this before. You know, am I going to be able to keep up? Um, is this experience going to be meaningful? And I, I can understand it. That's, those are all really legitimate questions uh, to have. And I would encourage you to keep going. Um, there are some of you who have probably tried it. And maybe even after 13 days, you've already gone, do you know what? This is just too much for me. I've missed a couple of days. I'm out, as they say on that TV program. Um, maybe you're feeling a bit guilty about that. Don't, don't feel guilty. Don't feel daunted. 
And then there's probably a bunch of people who haven't even started yet either. And maybe it's because you just haven't really got around to it. You're not that kind of person. It takes you a while to get your head around things. Or maybe actually you've made a specific decision that this is just too much. This is too difficult, too daunting. I'm not, I'm not going there. Um, spare myself the pain. And, that, and that's fine. All of those are really legitimate responses. I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you about this as we finish this morning about this whole personal reading challenge okay we've set ourselves the challenge of reading the bible reading through the bible in a year and we have recommended a particular plan and a particular app but listen to me watch my lips there is no pressure to conform you don't have to do this okay we are not telling anyone what to do we're not telling you what to read this is certainly not a three-line whip it's an invitation okay we're not going to police it there is no exam there is no test, and there are no results published, okay? But we think that there is great value in reading a little bit of the Bible regularly and consistently, ideally every day. And, that's, and that when we do, as I've already explained for loads of reasons, that when we do, there's real value to us. And I would also say that when we do that, I would really specifically say, ask God to speak to us through it. Don't just read it, oh, got to do my reading, got to get through that chapter today, got to get through that chapter today. Stop, pause, ask the Lord. What do you want to speak to me today? I can read, I'm, I'm just about there on mine. I did start a bit ahead of time, so I've given myself a little bit of a buffer. Um, but it'll catch up on me pretty soon, I'm sure. <laughs> and, um, but the thing that I do is I read about three chapters, because that's what's on the app, and I just sort of, I say to the Lord, show me something. And usually, I come out of it with one I just kind of keep my eyes open so that one phrase or one sentence or one verse really catches my eye. So I read through it and I get the story and I take it on. I don't try and go in-depth with every part of it. And usually somebody will go, ooh, and I'll go, ooh, what's that? Or it may be a question. Like there was a little bit in one I read the other day and it was all kinds of stuff about blood and covenants and I was like, what's that about? I don't get that. And so afterwards I finished the reading and then I went back to that bit. Sometimes I finish the reading and then I go back and I just look at, like one time it was just the psalm and it was a verse from the psalm 16. And I just went back and I wrote it out in my journal. I find that just literally writing out the words is enough to help it go into my head. And so I'm not looking to learn something from every verse every day. I'm looking for sort of one thing that the Lord might want to show me or speak to me about. Now we have suggested this app which includes some brilliant videos. But if you're not an app person, please don't worry. Because believe it or not, the Bible is available in book form, okay? And so if you don't like reading on a phone or you don't like smartphones, you're not into apps, don't go. I mean, I know some people have come to this and said, I can't do this because I can't get onto the app. I'm going, no, 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 it's here, okay? And at the back on the table are the sheets that you can download that will tell you which verses to read when and which chapters to read when. I'm sorry, I meant to get one and wave them around, but I forgot. Um, this is not just an academic exercise, we are not just trying to read it because it's a good thing to do. And it's certainly not a race. I spoke to somebody this week who said, I've read through the Bible before, cover to cover. It took me two and a half years. The Bible in two and a half years. Brilliant. Take it a step at a time, a chapter at a time, a book at a time. Plan to succeed. Don't plan to fail. If you think that three chapters a day, it takes around 15 minutes depending on the speed that you read. If you don't think that's manageable for you, then just make a different plan. Don't try and read the whole thing cover to cover. Pick a smaller section and just start with that. 
Now, I haven't done this yet, but I'll do it this week. I was thinking about this, and I was thinking, if you're the sort of person who can probably manage one chapter a day, maybe a book a month, then what we'll do is I'll, I'll stick this down this week, and I'll suggest certain books that you should read, and you can drop in on the story as we go through the year. It was a brilliant brainwave I had when I was preparing, but I haven't had time to action it, but I'll sort that out this week. Um, I'm going to do a blog over this year, and I'm going to keep putting in there just resources and links, and we'll, we'll link to it in the e-press. It won't be every week, but it'll be regularly. This is where we're at. This is what we're doing. You know, some other things that will help you. I've found loads of great websites, loads of interesting things to look at. Um, and so pick, just pick a bit of the Bible and read that. You'll still get a sense of the narrative sweep as we preach through on Sundays, but the most important thing is that you get a little bit each day that you read and you ask God to speak to you about. Now, are you hearing me? Am I communicating? Okay. I don't want anyone to go away from this and go, they've said I've got to read the Bible, I've got to read three chapters a day, and you know, all of that. That's not it. That's not it. There are loads of ways to do this. And just really practically, I put this information on the website and also in the e-press this week. But if you just want to start with a smaller plan, two different ways that you could do that. One is if you're an app person, go to the version app, which is a different app to the one that we've recommended. In there, you can literally go in um, and says, look, you can see that it says, help me find a plan. And then there are all sorts of different plans. Plans for if you, Bible reading plans for being new to the faith. Bible reading plans for work, for leadership, or Bible reading plans for through the Bible. Then you go into there, just, there's all these plans just for Genesis. So you can choose a plan and that app will, kind of, you tell it when you're starting and, it, and how many chapters a day you want to do and it will just send you reminders and it will help you plan that. Now if you're not an app person, the same service or the same kind of thing is available on this website, biblestudytools.com. Again, you can go in there, you can choose a plan, you can tailor it to suit you and you can um, print it off and off you go with your paper Bible. Does that make sense? Last thing, some people have mentioned to me that they're a little nervous about the plan that we're sticking to, that we're doing, following, because it goes through the whole of the Old Testament first, and then it gets to the New Testament. Some plans do a bit of the old and a bit of the new, and, and I, I get that, I get that. Um, admittedly, the Old Testament is a big part of the Bible, and there are some parts of it that are tricky to understand. As somebody said to me this morning, I just don't get it. And also, yeah, that is a lot of time not reading about Jesus, but I'm not stopping you reading about Jesus in, any, <laughs> in addition to any of this. And the, the point about this is we're working through the big story of God and we're kind of doing it in chronological order. And so much of that is in the Old Testament. And honestly, just come, for us with the, come on the ride with us. At whatever level you can pitch in, come on the ride with us. We will never fully understand the depth and the richness of what Jesus did and what the New Testament is all about unless we've at least had a chance, had a go at getting to groups with the Bible that he read as a boy. And that sounds, you know, we have to understand the cultural context. That sounds academic, but I can promise you there's real depth here. There's a, there's a phrase in the Bible, in the Lion Storyteller Bible, and it, it does every Old Testament story, and at the end of the story it says, every story, in fact the tagline for the whole Bible is, every story whispers his name. And so every story in the Old Testament you read, as you're reading it, you're going, where's Jesus in this? So for example, Abraham and Isaac. Abraham is sacrificing his son, and God's providing a sacrificial lamb, and you go, oh, where is Jesus in this? 
Every story in the Old Testament points forward to Jesus. So it's really worth pushing in, digging in and pushing through. And lastly, you know, if you're not enjoying the, te- the, the version of the Bible that you're reading, well, get a kid's Bible, for goodness sake. Or get one of these modern translations. There's a passion translation in the message. Or get an audio Bible. It's free online. There are tons of ways to do it. Or you can buy it as well. John Suchet is a brilliant actor. You can get Inspector, Inspector Poirot reading the Bible for you. And the very last thing... If something is hard or it's challenging, does that mean it's bad? Okay, now what you do is you shake your head and you go, no, Nigel, okay? Nothing really worthwhile comes about easily. We live in a, con- don't we live in a comfortable culture? We go, oh, I don't fancy that today, I'll just do something else. Oh, I'll just, med- something feels a bit like hard, oh, I'll just medicate against that or avoid it. We tend to live in the moment and sometimes lose sight of the bigger picture of our lives. And I read this quote, do something today that your future self will thank you for. It's New Year's Eve, no? It's New Year resolution time. I can't imagine many people getting to the end of their life and lying on their deathbed and saying, I just wish I'd watched more Netflix. (laughs) I just wish I'd spent more time on Facebook. But I can imagine people saying, I wish I'd known God more. I wish I'd built a deeper relationship with my Father in heaven. And sometimes we do need to make decisions that are difficult or annoying or painful because of what it will bring us in the future. Paul, why don't you come lead us in ministry? I'm sorry, I've gone on a bit long this morning. Bless you. Why don't we stand up, guys? Just aware of the the time and... um, yeah, if you've got kids, um, can you please go and grab your children? But um, I just, from the worship and from what Nigel has been talking about, um, I think the key thing that's just going to cross to me is we're worshipping, we're trying to enter into the Bible because we want to meet God. And I just said, you know, the, the Bible is all about God. So I just want to just... Just very briefly, just take some time, just before God. Let's just open our hearts to God and just say, ask God just to encounter us. I was reminded of Psalm 39, verse 3, and it just talks about, um, um, it says here, the, the more I thought about it, the more I meditated, amused, pondered on God's word. Then it says a fire burned. There was an encounter. And that's just my prayer this morning. As we've heard Nigel speak, let's just take a moment. He said a lot of good things there. Let's just move over them. Let's just meditate over those. Let's not be satisfied. We're going away with a transfer of knowledge. We came in to meet God. So I'm going to pray. And, and then the, the band's just going to kind of just um, kind of play. And it's just an opportunity just to press into God, whatever we need from God. So God, I just thank you that you are here. I thank you that you are real. I thank you that you um, have spoken to us for your word and you still speak to us. Just come and speak right now. Speak into our lives, speak into our stories. Speaking to our situations, we need to hear your voice this morning. Just come, God.
And Lord, let these truths, Lord, just move. Let them meditate until there's a fire in our souls. God, where we go away with a fire in our souls today. Just come, Holy Spirit.